0: Is it? There you go. See? There's a little button there. You got it? Luke 10. One of the things about going through uh, this gospel is we come to these stories that we've heard uh, all our lives, and we sometimes have maybe the wrong perception of them. We talked about that last week when we uh, read the parable of the Good Samaritan, how it's not necessarily... uh, Well, it isn't. It isn't a lesson on that we should care for the needy uh, when we see them in trouble, but it really is a reminder that we are completely uh, insufficient to meet the commands of Scripture. What the law demands for our salvation is unaccomplishable. And so Christ tried to point that out to this uh, teacher of the law, and he refused to listen, and sadly, uh, most likely ended up in hell because of his decision. Jesus continues to be on the move. Remember in Luke 9, I think it's verse number 52, it says that Jesus uh, has his face set towards Jerusalem. So from Luke 9 really to chapter 24, uh, which we should hit in about 2024, uh, we, we see that the, the, the focus of the gospel is the cross. Really the focus of the gospel was the cross from the beginning, that this is the plan of redemption, Jesus came for this purpose in Luke 9. He's making his way to Jerusalem. And, and here in Luke 10, he comes across uh, a couple of ladies who are pretty familiar to us, even though they only appear in three different passages of the Bible. They appear here uh, as sisters, Mary and Martha. And then they appear in the passage I read to us for our scripture reading, John 11. And then they appear again in John 12. And that's where Mary. Uh, anoints Jesus with the oil, and Judas, of course, objects to that. Those are the only three stories we have now don 't they seem a little more familiar to us than that, even though they 're only recorded for us but these are these are huge stories right the The resurrection of Lazarus is just a huge story, uh, even the Mary anointing story is a huge story, and then this one is the one where we all just kind of slam on Martha right We slam on Martha because of her uh, busyness and distraction, and so I want to read, we, we read a different passage for our scripture, so I want to read just the five verses that we're going to study. I told Leah a short sermon today, She's, and we, we always joke about that whenever I say that it's long, but I really think it's going to be brief today. The section is brief, and the, it just came across tough for me, and I'll explain that in a little bit, but let's, let's see just what the word says here. It's verse 38 to 42. Those are the only verses we're going to look at. So right after his uh, interaction with the scribe and the telling of the Good Samaritan, they went on their way, verse 38, and Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Martha was distracted, the King James says, cumbered. And you probably remember that, cumbered with much serving. Sometimes you watch Andy Griffith and you feel like you're better suited for that time period. You ever feel that way? Like I would like to just sit on the porch and the biggest thing I need to say is I think I'm going to go to the town and get me a bottle of pop. Right? Don't you sometimes wish life was like that? In fact, there is an episode where they have a guy come in and he's busy man and it's Sunday and they're all relaxing and he's freaking out. Isn't that our society? Our society has become so crazy. Like what technology was supposed to do in making our lives simpler and easier has has actually given birth to an out of breath existence. Dave kind of talked about it this morning in Sunday school, right? We kind of live at this breakneck speed. Instant information, instant communication, instant uh, transportation. Yet no time to do anything. No time to do anything. Our schedules are busy. Uh, we crash into bed at night, uh, overwhelmed at all we didn't get to accomplish. Um, even, even uh, think about what life was like before electricity. Now we we talked last week, and I think Tony and some of us were back there talking after service. So like, yeah, we'd like to live in that age, but with some of the creature comforts that we enjoy today as well. But life before electricity, the sun dominated your day. When the sun was up, it began, and when the sun sun went down, it ended. Um, People actually talked and listened to each other. I I read something uh, this week that I think would be very helpful for our church. It said, if you do anything different this fall at church, come 15 minutes earlier and stay 15 minutes later. Why don't you make that a goal? Come 15 minutes earlier, stay 15 minutes later. Well, what are we going to do? We we don't have that kind of time. I mean, after church, we got to get to here, here, right? That's what we're talking. Come, and, and you know what suffers in a society like that is relationships and listening and communication and compassion and that sort of thing in fact i I joked about this before they're they're trying to make major league baseball games faster and faster it's too long three hours too long we gotta get to two hours you know we have instant open everything is supposed to be uh quick and immediate and again what suffers is relationship meditation reflection compassion that sort of thing jesus tells uh, martha the troubled distracted busy uh, sister, in verse number 42, that one thing is necessary. So if you were reading your Bibles alone on an island and you come to that passage, now don't answer out loud, what does Jesus mean by that? So one thing is necessary. There's a lot of things that are urgent. There's a lot of things that are important, but one thing is, the word is needed. One thing is necessary. So, so what is that one thing? Everybody try to think of it. What, what is that one thing? And so whatever that one thing is, first of all, we better discern it. right? If, if Jesus is saying one thing is necessary and, and we don't know what that one thing is, how can we expect that our lives would be pleasing to him? Does that make sense? So, so we have to discern what that is. We've got to discern what it is, and then we've got another letter D word what? Do it. Okay, so let's, let's figure it out. What does he mean by this? And then, and then we better do it. So let's, let's not use the passage to just slam Martha. I want to make two opening statements about it, okay? So whatever it is that we discern, we better do it and set our priorities and shift our lives so that they line up with what Jesus is asking us to do. First of all, first two opening thoughts about what this passage is not. Okay, this passage is not making us make a decision between an active life and a contemplative life, right? As if we have to do one or the other. We either are active for Christ or we're just kind of, Meditated on Christ. We're either serving or sitting. We're either worshiping or working. That's not what the scripture is telling us to do. As if serving is bad and sitting is good. Right? As, if, as if working is bad. Martha, the reason Jesus is mad at you is because you are serving him. Right? So everybody says, okay, we don't need to serve the Lord, so instead of coming to Labor Day tomorrow and being busy and rushed on what's supposed to be a holiday, and we got to wake up at 8 o'clock and get here, and we should just be relaxing. No, I, I should just sit around. It's not asking us to make that decision, okay, as if we can stop serving and just sit. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing, this passage isn't just for the ladies. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, not, it's not like, okay, ladies, uh, forget your housework. That's what Jesus is teaching here. Forget cleaning and just listen to sermons all day. Or, uh, you know, ladies, it doesn't matter if the house isn't clean, just care for your children. I mean, you read this kind of junk in the books that kind of try to explain this passage. It would be, as, it, it would be like if we came to a story about Peter or David or Daniel or Moses and, and we're just making applications to the men. right? That there is a lesson in this scripture for man Woman, boy, and girl. And what is the lesson? I already told you what the lesson is. What is the lesson? It's to figure out what this thing is that Jesus says is necessary. And to figure it out and then to do it. So it's not just for ladies and we're not just going to slam on the Marthas. I had a real hard time with this passage. Maybe because that's kind of what you're always told. Like, just stop working and come to Jesus. Just start, you know, forget your service and listen to what Jesus has to say. So in the couple of the books I read, this is kind of embarrassing, but in a couple of the books I read, there's a footnote that's pointing you to this book. And some of you ladies may have read it. Uh, having this, having a, a Merry Heart in a Martha World. Okay? And, and it was quoting from this over and over. And I said, I got to read this book. I got to, I, and it was Friday. So I went down to the Christian bookstore, and they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good place because they'll match any sort of price that you find online. So the book in the store was like 20 bucks, but online it was 8 So I said, okay, for $8, bucks, i am going to get it. But then I was really embarrassed because I went to Tim Hortons to read it, and I've got this book about being a Mary and a Martha world, and everybody's like, so I'm putting it upside down, I like rip the cover off. And, but anyway, I had some good thoughts, and I'm going to sprinkle some of those in. But, but, but I don't know why I was embarrassed, because I just got through telling you that this isn't just a passage for men, or for, for ladies. It's a passage for all of us as believers, and that's a point I want to get through too. Let's look at an overview of the story, and we'll make some quick applications, okay? Uh, Jesus, of course, I already mentioned, Luke 9.52, his face set to Jerusalem, maybe 9.53, somewhere in there. So the shadow of the cross is already looming over him. And he's traveling and he comes to the home. And it says in the passage in verse number 38 that Jesus entered the village. We know this to be Bethany. We just read it in John 11 that that was their home. It's a couple miles away from Jerusalem. So he's, very, he's already getting very close to Jerusalem. The rest of, the, of Luke is going to focus on his, his really end ministry. And when Jesus comes to the home of Martha, it is not just Jesus that is coming. He's at least got his disciples with him, so we know he's got 12 other people with him. And it could be, if you look back to Luke 10, verse 17, that he's actually got 72 other people with him. I, I don't think this is just Jesus coming to the door and saying, guys, you wait out there, Mary and Martha. I'm gonna there are a lot of people converging on Mary and Martha's home, and what does Martha do? What's the passage tell us? What does Martha do? Welcomed. I don't think it's just welcome Jesus, it does say welcomed him, but I believe what they're saying is, Martha is like, Martha has a huge drop-in crowd that has just descended on her home. The word welcome there means to receive very kindly and hospitably, and so I don't want to rush over this. You know, we like to slam Martha, but Martha is welcoming Jesus into her home with all of these other people that are surrounding him, right? We... We see her being kind, and this is a commendable thing. And so now all of a sudden she has to prepare, and, and verse number 40 tells us she's distracted, which distracted with much service. I, I said earlier that the word in the King James is cumbered. So if you imagine the setting here, and meanwhile, Mary just sits down and begins to listen to the teaching of Christ. Martha's out in the kitchen or wherever, however the room is set up, she's out doing the work. And you can kind of imagine what she is starting to feel like. The word distracted there is a a telling word for us. Cumbered again in the King James. It's a word that means to to drag or to pull away. It even really means to choke. So the implication of being dragged away is that Martha would have preferred to be listening to Jesus, but she, she got dragged away. She got distracted in her service. She began to be weighted down with all that she uh, thought needed to be done. And I wonder what needed to be done. If you have 12, at least, up to 70 people, right, what is, has what is Martha got to do? She's got she's to butcher animals. She's got to prepare a meal. She's got to, you know, make sure everything is cozy and comfortable for her guests. And so she's out there, and she begins to wonder, why am I doing all this by myself? Mary's just out there sitting down. Maybe she starts making a little bit of noise with her pots and pans, trying to give Mary a hint. Mary doesn't get it. So finally she has to come out and say, "Uh, Jesus, uh, you're missing something here. Tell Mary to come help me. She's left me to serve alone. And that's where Jesus kind of diagnoses the problem and tells her that only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away. There's an overview of it, okay? Okay. So, what do we make from this? I wish, I almost wish I had another week to think about it, but let's, let's walk through Martha and her, her attitudes. Okay? So, so I I kind of see a downward spiral in the passage. First of all, let's answer this question right away. Is her action wrong? Not at not first. Her action is not wrong. She wants to serve, she wants to serve Jesus. But in that action, ugly attitudes. Uh, were birthed some ugly attitudes and it all starts with that distraction so here's here's kind of the spiral she goes from distraction to self-pity to resentment to doubt to demand so let's let's just walk through that real quick we're not gonna take a long time she goes from distraction to self-pity to resentment to doubt to demand okay let's start with that distraction i already discussed it a little bit to be dragged away or choked so she lost her focus and, and what caused her to lose her focus? What distracted her from Jesus? What distracted her from Jesus? Answer out loud. Maybe you are answering out loud and I just can't hear you. Her service to Jesus. Think about that. Her service to Jesus distracted her from Jesus. Spurgeon says it this way, and this is just a paraphrase. In serving Jesus, she forgot Jesus so that all she thought about was the service. Imagine that, that you're serving so much, you become lost in the service and you lose sight of Jesus. So it's our anniversary tomorrow and I'm sure when we get home from our Labor Day thing, this isn't going to happen. I'm just just using this for an illustration. That Leah's going to go into the kitchen and she's going to just start preparing something for me and I'm going to meanwhile go crash on the couch and watch Andy Griffith, and she's going to be out there serving, and and here's the here's the example. She's going to get so caught up in the serving that she's forgetting what the person. She's forget, the reason that I love to serve like this is because I want to do it. Well, why isn't he out here helping me? I mean, he could have tenderized these steaks. He could have mixed up. You know, whatever she could say. This is what's happening to Martha. She's becoming so involved, so busy, so active, so working, that she is being distracted in her service for even remembering the reason that she's doing the service. Now, what does this look like for us today? I thought of some examples. When we begin to study the Bible like a textbook, and we forget that Christ is the center of the Scripture, I love the hymn, uh, break thou the bread of life, and there's a there's a verse in that hymn that says, "Beyond the sacred page, I seek." You know what? I, I seek you. I seek thee, Lord. Beyond the sacred page, like some people can read the words, and even in their even in their time of scripture reading or their time of devotions, they they can read the words and forget the person behind the word. That's an example of how this Martha's distraction can happen in our lives, or I am a Grace Kids teacher, uh, and I have a class of kids that are terrible, right? And at the end of the Grace Kids night, I just, man, I'm doing all this work, and no, and and these kids aren't responding, or even I'm. Mini- the the one thing I really thought of is I'm ministering to people who are unthankful and don't notice, right? Uh, you know, I did, I did the yard work and no one said anything. I cleaned the church and no one, no one patted me on the back, right? I taught the Sunday school lesson this morning and, and, hey, everybody just seems to not care. And so here's what happens. You start to, you start to look inward to yourself. It can even be the case of that we're serving without even praying or without any joy. We can come and we can walk in the parade and we can, and, and all of a sudden we're so focused on the service that, we've been, that Jesus has been kind of choked out. Am I, is this making any sense? Okay, you, can, you can be so focused on the service that you forget the Savior. So focused on the job. Boy, these come to me. You forget Jesus, right? You, you, the duty is all that you're focused on. And now when that happens, the spiral happens. Okay, when you're only focused on the duty... You start to have this spiral. And the next thing is you you start to have this attitude of self-pity. Some people are great self-pity party throwers. And that's what Martha's doing out in the kitchen. See what she says when she comes out to Jesus? You've left me to serve, next word, alone. She starts to feel sorry for herself. When we are out there mowing the lawn or trimming the bushes or cleaning the church or preparing our lesson and nobody else is doing it, then we start sulking because we feel like we're alone and nobody else else is helping. And then what starts to happen is then we start to imagine in our minds what they're doing. Yeah, I'm out here passing out parade things and they're probably at home in bed still, Right? So, so it shifts real quick from self-pity to blame. Because Martha is focusing on herself in the passage and why she's serving alone, and it all happens because she forgets, man, I'm so happy I can serve Jesus in this way. right? So she gets distracted by it, and now instead of focusing on herself, now she starts to look outward and look for people to blame. And for Martha, it's instantly Mary. She's out there just sitting and relaxing at the feet of Jesus. I sure wish I could be doing that, but who's going to peel these potatoes that's what she's thinking and so a self-righteous attitude starts to creep in instead of focusing on ourselves we take our self-pity out on others and we spiral down into the third thing which is resentment we start to resent other people who aren't serving the way we are right I stay late and clean up the garbage I I was up late last night preparing my Sunday school lesson nobody else is and we start to blame those other people I'm the only one who is doing this. And if, the, and if someone doesn't take an interest in our ministry and our service, then we start to blame them. I mean, this spiral happens real quickly. For Martha, it happened in a matter of minutes. Welcomes Jesus in, very good attitude, then gets distracted, choked away, dragged off with this serving that she had to do, which is important. Again, not necessary, important. And then she starts to have self-pity, I'm alone, and then she blames her sister. Then she really starts to have a problem. She goes into these two Final demand or a final spiral doubt and demand. See in the passage what she does? Here's how she expresses her doubt to the Lord Lord, do you not care? Do you not care? I'm doing all this work and God doesn't seem to notice. That's what Martha's saying. I'm doing all this work but God doesn't seem to notice. So now the doubt goes real into, right into the demands. Now I know what to tell Christ to do, and that is you tell Mary to get in here and help me. Look at where Mary has gone. She's gone from, or Martha, she's gone from welcoming Jesus into her home to doing the noble act of service to now demanding that Christ do what she thinks he ought to do. In just a matter of moments. And it all starts because in her service, she forgot the reason for the service. Now, I want to I wanna make a side trip here for just a second. This is, okay, this is the warning or the danger of the passage. The warning or the danger of the passage is that in our service, we can forget Jesus. So, who does this danger apply to? Who does this danger apply to? It's a real easy answer. Who does the danger apply to? People who are doing what? Serving. So let's eliminate some people. This is not for unbelievers. This is not for unbelievers. And, and I want to make a point of this. Both Martha and Mary are great examples of ladies who believed and trusted Christ. In fact, they may be the first two true believers. We read uh, John 11 a minute ago in this beautiful passage where Lazarus dies and, and both Martha and Mary do, say the same thing to Jesus, the exact same thing. Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. Okay, Martha first. So let's focus on Martha because she always gets kind of a, a, a raw deal here because we, we think she should be doing something that she's not. She runs out to Jesus first. And when Jesus says, Lazarus will rise again, Martha says, yeah, 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 I know, but... And then Jesus makes this statement in John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. If you, even though you're dead, you will live again. Do you believe this? Do you remember what Martha said? Do you believe this? Martha says, I believe that you are the Christ of God. Wow. So, so Martha believed in the resurrection, the promised resurrection. Mary, in John, in John chapter 12, which we didn't read, comes in and breaks that... Uh, jar of costly perfume and pours it on jesus to the dismay of the disciples and jesus says leave her alone because she's doing this in preparation for my burial so so martha believed the resurrection before it happened mary trusted the cross even before it ever happened these two ladies are believers they love and believe jesus but not only that they are not idle believers it's not like these people, these people are serving Jesus. So this danger is for people that are working already for Christ. This is, a lot of times the warnings that we give from Scripture are, well, you know, don't, uh, don't drift away from the Lord or, or don't stop coming to church or, you know, be careful of this specific attitude or vice. Like it always seems to be, this danger is primarily for people who are the core of any church, that are working and serving you know sometimes you hear this phrase there are 20 percent of the people that do 80 percent of the work in a church there's a there's a small group of people that tend to do most of the stuff this is the danger it's for those people it's for the sunday school teachers it's for the grace kids workers you know who the greatest danger is it's for the pastor it's for the pastor who can become very quickly distracted by all the things that have to be done. And let's just be transparent where's everybody else? Why, why do I have to do this? Okay, this is a wrong, I'm saying this is a wrong spirit. But the greatest danger is for me. I mean, this is a tough, convicting thing. The danger is for those who are serving to have this spiral down, this. Can you imagine serving Christ and then feeling sorry for yourself because I'm the only one that, do, you know, same thing in the Old Testament, Elijah does the same thing, remember? He has this beautiful victory on Mount Carmel where all the, all the prophets of Baal are slaughtered and, and then he right away he goes to this brook and wants to kill himself because he's so discouraged because he said, I'm the only one that's doing anything for God. This is the danger. Now what is the diagnosis? Let's, let's finish this. I told you it was going to be short and... Maybe we're almost done here, but so, so Jesus now, we haven't even discerned yet what Jesus said, so, so let's get to that part. The diagnosis. So Jesus is the one who's going to put his finger on exactly what Martha's problem is. Her problem isn't that she was serving. What is her problem? Verse uh, 41. Lord said, "Martha, Martha, it's beautiful, it's a loving." Repeating the name is, is a loving, compassionate. Thing here, so that's Jesus' love for her coming out. In fact, in the other passage, it says that we read in uh, John eleven, it says now he loved Martha. He he just loves these sisters and Lazarus. He loved this family. Martha, Martha, here's he he goes to the doctor. (laughs) It's like going to the doctor. You want the doctor to put his finger on the problem. Why do I have high blood pressure? Why do I have this pain? What's going on here? And that you want the doctor just be able to say this is it. So here's Jesus doing that. Martha, this is the problem. You are two things. Anxious and troubled. This is why the ugly attitude is coming out. Because you are anxious, another word, worried, and troubled. Another word, you're agitated. So I like to say you're worried and you're worked up. Worried is the inner spirit. Worked up is the outward expression of it. I'm so worried and anxious about something, I'm anxious or I'm agitated. Then that makes me agitated. And so I'm scurrying around. So so what Jesus says, Martha's problem is, is that she is worried. Does that, does that sound, I mean, that's kind of surprising. Worried? Other places where this word is used, Matthew 6, verses 27 and 28, who of you can add a, a uh, this is just a paraphrase, who of you can add any stature or inches to their stature by being anxious about it? Or why are you anxious? Because uh, you have... Uh, the lilies of the field are clothed. I'm just kind of paraphrasing that. I didn't write the whole verse down. You understand that past. Don't be anxious for these things. God feeds the birds. God cares for the flowers. Then in Philippians chapter 4, a very familiar verse. Don't be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God, giving thanks for everything. Here's just an aside. Here's what, uh, here's what one of the uh, things I read said. Uh, uh, we're anxious for, for nothing. We pray about everything or how's it go we we we're anxious for nothing we pray about everything and we give thanks in all things. Okay? Anxious for nothing, pray about everything and in all things give thanks. But she is worried and worked up and because of this she is troubled and disturbed and agitated and confused and bustling. So she's worried and worked up. So Jesus puts his finger on the root of this ugly attitude. All of these Things, this distraction, this self-pity, this resentment, this doubt, and this demands. It is all coming from worry. So if you were studying this passage, what question would you ask? What is she worried about? What is she worried about? I, I throw out some examples. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible tells us that Jesus makes this proper diagnosis that she is worried. And because she's worried, she's worked up about many things. So what is she worried about? Perhaps she's worried about what others think. What others think. You ever have people over to the house and you worry, is the meat okay? Is the, is the, are they going to see the dog hair on the ground? Uh, you know, is the bathroom clean enough? I mean, these type of things. You worry about these things. Maybe she's worried about being noticed. Are they going to talk well about my meal afterwards? Uh, is, you know, is Jesus going to enjoy this food? Uh, whatever. Maybe she's worried about the future. Maybe Lazarus already is sick or showing signs of that. The Bible doesn't say. But when we worry in our service to Christ, that is where this danger comes. And and someone has said, behind every worry that we have, there is a promise in the Bible that serves as the antidote to that worry. Let's say we're worried about what others think. Ephesians 1.7 says, we are already accepted in the beloved what if we're worried about being noticed? Hebrews six ten says, "God will not soon forget your labor of love." And if we're worried about the future, Philippians one six says, "He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ." The danger for people who serve Christ is beginning to worry, and I think those danger the 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 worry that comes up, you know, God, are you really going to bless this work? Uh, God, will anybody notice this work? God, will anybody appreciate this work? And all of that has to be put aside. It doesn't matter if anybody notices. It doesn't matter if anybody appreciates what you're doing. That, that doesn't matter because you're doing it for Christ. Would you do it if nobody noticed? Jesus goes on to kind of tell her what the, what the solution to her problem is. It's to look at Mary. Mary. That must have stung her a little bit because she wanted Mary to come help and then Jesus is saying Mary is doing the right thing. One thing is necessary. Mary has done it, right? That's kind, of the, that's kind of the implication here. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The words Mary has chosen indicate that the option was available to both Mary and Martha to make this choice. And notice that it's not saying she chose it's not really saying that she chose something better. She just chose what was necessary. The word portion in the Greek there actually means meal. So I think Jesus is making a play on words here. You're worried about that meal. Mary has chosen the good meal. This meal will never be taken away from her. Your meal can be done any time. It's almost like Martha thought that her service to Christ was indispensable to him. Like if, if I don't do this, right? Jesus needs this. He doesn't need that. There is one thing that is needed, and what is that? I told you we've got to discern that. Whatever it is, Mary did it, right? So again, we're on desert island. We read, one thing is necessary. We say, well, what is that? We better discern and do it. And Jesus says, well, Mary has done it. Well, what is Mary doing? In the passage, look in the Bible. What is Mary doing? Look up in the, what does she do? She sat and listened to the words of Jesus. Okay, so one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good meal. Remember the Bible says, I desired your word more than my necessary food, right? Uh, the The meat that I have is to do the will of God who sent me, Jesus says. The one necessary thing is to listen and learn from Christ. Jesus does value our service. In fact, he demands it. So that's why you can't go away and say, well, I guess I can resign from everything I'm doing for Christ, no. You just need to view it in a different way. He does demand and value our service, but more than that, He prizes a relationship and fellowship, and this listening that Mary is doing, which will never be taken away from her. There's a there's a long lastingness to this listening unto Christ. So if we could wrap this up and make this final thought. Here, here's, here's kind of where. We land on this okay the danger is to people who serve and the danger is that without the word without listening to christ service becomes this duty where we forget christ in our service and without the word what do we become let's answer that question when we finish without the word what do we become in our service again this time about people who serve talking about elders talking about pastors talking about teachers without the word, and that's what Martha's ignoring, without the word, what did she become? Judgmental? Blame? Fault finding? She even started to doubt and demand Christ do certain things? The focus for us, even in our service, is to be reminded the reason we're doing it is for Christ and the more important thing, the necessary thing, all all these service things are great, But the necessary thing is to listen and to learn from Christ. And we know that Martha got it because later on in the the passage that we read already, John 11, John 12, she she, uh, either became or was a true follower of Christ. That's the ultimate lesson, right? There's one necessary thing. So let it be a warning to all of those involved in service. We're we're not doing this service to be appreciated, noticed, Um, and and we're not even doing it unto the Lord that, that he needs this service, right? It's our joy to serve Christ. So be reminded in the service of the importance of listening and learning from Christ. That's the one necessary thing. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, again, your word.